This is the Mentors for Military podcast. Hey guys, Robert and Paul here. And um, before we get into this week's podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about our last week's episode, which is the first of two that we actually put together, a part one and a part two on women and soft. And uh, Paul, it was quite interesting, all the comments that we got from the first episode uh, around special operations and especially special forces and the, the first female to complete the special forces assessment selection. And, uh, you know, I'm sure on your page, it was the same as ours. There was a lot of rumors that were flout, uh, floating around from um, supposedly from cadre, although most of the information that came out that I saw was referencing back to the first females that came through that didn't pass SFAS, as well as um, articles that were written by cadre about just the lowering of standards and didn't necessarily mention females per se that were going through the class or training at that time frame. And they were, you know, five months old or so. So I don't know if you found the same thing. Yeah, I found a lot of that. It, it was sort of an echo chamber of you know, what we saw when the, the first female Rangers went through, uh, or the first female candidates went through Ranger school, it's the same old thing. You know, you see somebody, you don't expect to make it. And all of a sudden these explanations start popping up as to why they didn't. And, you know, of course they always point it to the standards and the politics and they pushed them through and all that, you know, um, I was, I was a little disappointed because the conversation devolved to, uh, some pretty nasty things, you know, um, I don't, I don't really care how many, sexual partner some soldier has you know i don't know see what that has to do with the course or right or anything like that you know so i was deleting a few comments um yeah about I, that. I had to do the same thing and it's unfortunate but that's kind of the guess the world that we're in you know nowadays and like you said people come up with all kinds of justifications or reason why somebody shouldn't make it and we're going to talk about that a little bit in this episode dealing with ranger school and actually, this episode was shot before the episode with um, the Special Forces Assessment Selection female, and we decided to flip the two. Uh, we were going to get into this topic anyway of SFAS and women at SFAS or women into uh, the queue and becoming Green Berets and stuff like that. But I think, you know, the the questions around should this or should this not be the case? Well, well folks, as leaders, and if you're in the military still especially, um, you got to move on. Got to get past this. It was four years ago this decision was made. You got to salute the flagpole, move on, and get your folks behind that as well. If you continue to be a leader that's living in the past and allowing your folks to dwell on this moment, then it, you're never going to change the culture. You're never going to change anything. And the Army is not going to make a decision anytime soon that I can see uh, to reverse their decision. So get on with the program, suck it up, and start being a leader and put your feelings aside and get your folks motivated. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it would take a major sea change in, in politics and you know, just a huge sea change in the entire uh, fabric of our nation to, to reverse this decision. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen you know? anytime soon. Yeah. No. And uh, I think there's going to be, there's some, going to be some push back and forth. I think it's like a pendulum, you know, and we'll, we'll figure out exactly where these new personnel slot into these new slots that are available to them, you know, and it's going to be a growing process. But I think um, what we forget out here, what's easy for us is we know what we knew when we were in, you know, but the battlefield has changed and we don't know, we're not privy to all of that. Um, so, you know, the people that are on the ground actually making these decisions, putting these people into these new positions, I mean, they're as competent and capable as we were. It's not like the old adage, they're in there when it was hard. And so it doesn't count, but you yeah. know, they've, 
they're the ones making the calls and uh, they seem to be uh, doing the best they can with what they've got and they have been for the last two decades so well we both know that there's been females engaged with soft uh, for a long time for decades as a matter of fact and so this is nothing new uh, many guys who are in soft who have been engaged with females for a long period of time have seen this day coming and knew that it was going to come here and uh and and they knew you know perfectly well that a lot of females could actually pass some of these schools because they serve with them in these types of capacities and i think what's most interesting too is that um, you know, it, it's a lot of the folks I think that, um, aren't familiar with special operations and serving with females that are making the loudest comments. And maybe some of those aren't, I, maybe I shouldn't, you know, stereotype and say that it's everybody who hasn't, because there are some CSTs and just like any soldier, you can't say every soldier is perfect. There were women who uh, filled that role that didn't do the best, uh, within that capacity and gave it kind of a bad name. Uh, but not all CSTs are created equal. Not all soldiers are created equal. Uh, and in this case, uh, that's the same way we've got to look at it. What the long-term effect will be on women in these types of operations in a long capacity, um, in a sustained battle and everything is yet to be seen. I think there have been females, again, in, in working with soft for periods of time, um, you know, whether or not there's been any documented, I'm talking about analysis of what the wear and tear on the body will take is, um, I don't think it's ever been publicly uh, put out there. Uh, but yeah, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I think once that comes out, you know, you know, it, it may show something different. But the truth is, there's a small percentage of women who want to do this in the first place. And there's a small yeah. percentage of those that will ever make it into the soft community. So those yeah. that do probably completed everything within the requirements of their male counterparts. We haven't heard anything any different. And I think that people just need to get on with it. Yep. I completely agree. I think, um, you know, it's one thing to be critical, you know, uh, and do your armchair quarterback thing. And it's another to sort of call into question the integrity of an entire system. You know, I mean, that's or a the completely leadership. different. True. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a little, little bit of disrespect, I think. Um, well, situational awareness, know. situational awareness needs to take place here. I mean, I, I know of some special forces guys who came out and, um, through message boards and everything made their comments known and then called out leadership and everything. You got to be real careful, uh, because if you're still on active duty and you're doing those types of things, people cut and paste or copy your, uh, information, uh, with a, uh, a screenshot. Next thing you yeah. know, <laughs> whatever you said is out there, you can take it back and delete the comments, but it's already out the door. The round's already oh, yeah. out the chamber. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing everybody's kind of learning in the military. And it's, uh, you know, when platoons and units have been traditionally all male, start integrating with all females, I think a lot of uh, a lot of bad habits and locker room uh, type behavior is going to have to go out the window. So there's, there's going to be some growing pains, you know. I wouldn't like it if I was going to the team room and I, you know – had to change the way I interact with people, but yeah, that's what you have to do to the mission. You know, you have to be malleable to the mission. That That's the important part, you know, and uh, people say, oh, well, women can't hold up in combat. And well, men aren't holding that up that well in combat either. And that's not really the point, is it? You know, I no. mean, it, this is war, you know, and you're it's, it's going to cost you up to and including everything to go and do this. So, right. You know, I think even the even the long term effects, I mean, I don't know, my body is more or less trashed for the rest of my life, you know, and I, I only completed nine years of service, um, just shy of that, actually. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people are looking in the wrong direction Yeah. about about this thing. One thing that I, I thought of, you know, because initially, you know, I was opposed to it, but 
I've said it a, a couple dozen times, I think, in, on different occasions. Um, we've been sending women to combat. You know, we've been doing it since Vietnam and in ever increasingly dangerous roles. Um, the front lines have changed and they're out there and they're exposed. So I think, uh, you know, if they don't have a combat leadership school to go to and Ranger School is our best combat leadership school, you know, they, they ought to have an opportunity to go to something exactly like it uh, or to that school itself. So great tee up actually for this episode, which will have a female graduate from April of 2018 of this year that joined us on this episode. But before we get into that, I did want to give a shout out to a couple of people. We have a new, a couple of new patrons that joined us uh, by giving donations on a monthly basis through our site, Patreon, P A T R E O N.com mentors, the number four M I L uh, that's patreon.com backslash mentors, the number four M I L. And that was um, CA 91st. I hope I, Said that right. I guess that's a unit. And then um, Jeff Henry. And of course, we have uh, our continued supporter, uh, largest donor, and that's Stephanie Lincoln of Fireteam Whiskey. And we appreciate all of our patrons and the two new ones and and those that's been with us for a period of time because it's through your donations that we're able to, to help carry on this podcast. So appreciate that. So now we'll get on to uh, this week's episode. So first off, welcome to the Mentors Military Podcast. On this podcast episode, uh, we're going to get into a pretty interesting topic around women in ranger school and women in rangers in general. And uh, this has been a topic that's been shared by several different uh, discussions, either on podcast or offline. And uh, Jenny Metzler is a lieutenant in the Army and graduated ranger school back in April 2018. Uh, she was the 12th female, actually, to graduate the course at that time frame. On the podcast as well as Don Fox. Don is a member of our cadre of hosts. He's a retired major who was enlisted as an infantryman up to E7 before attending OCS and commissioning infantry as well. He attended ranger school early in his enlisted career and then became a ranger instructor with 4th RTB as a senior NCO and then returned to 4th RTB as, a, uh, as an officer. And then Paul Martinez, who's retired NCO, who spent seven years in 3rd Bat, 75th Ranger Regiment, and many years uh, of that as a sniper. He is the author of the best-selling book, uh, When the Killer Man Comes. And then, of course, myself, Robert Gowan, is a retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant, who started off in armor, then spent time in recruiting and retention. And basically, I want to jump uh, into this. You guys all have backgrounds as a ranger in some capacity. And I think what's really cool about this is you all come from different walks of life. So if you got, you know, someone that just attend, attended ranger school, somebody that's been a ranger and ranger bat, and then you've got somebody that was a ranger instructor. And Don, I know you and I have had multiple conversations, you know, over the years, especially, but here recently around ranger school and some of the comments, especially that were made around the females that attended ranger school. So I don't know if you want to kind of talk a little bit about your back history and, and when you, of course, were an RI when they were primarily males, and maybe that's a good starting point. Obviously, in your early in your infantry career, um, you know, if you want to advance up and move through and also challenge yourself. There's not a better school than Ranger than the Ranger course itself. Um, it's a primary tool is as a small unit uh, leader. So you're that's that's probably the best leadership school you can attend, and it just happens to make it around a recon and ambush and some you know some physical uh, activities on the way to test your you know intestinal fortitude and also just test your leadership abilities. So. You know, as you go there, 
early in the career, I really didn't know anything other than that you don't get to eat and you don't get to sleep. And not everybody, you know, gets to wear the uh, Ranger tab. So, you know, obviously my opinion from uh, pre, before the course, uh, into the course, and then after the course, somewhat kind of, uh, it kind of changed uh, the view of that because what I learned was after you have the tab, uh, that's, that's when it all starts. That's when you're, you know, in your unit or outside your unit, everything is judged off of your left, your left sleeve. Uh, so you're challenged every single day to to attain to be the best uh, in your craft, and uh, that's what as as an instructor, that's what I try to instill in these guys is, you know, even though if you if you get it, that's great, but if you don't, you're still taking you're still taking things away from that course that you learned that you can still apply in the unit, with you know hopefully you have the aspirations to come back to it and, and get it. On that topic, I mean, Paul and I just recently had a conversation around this and as well. And what we were talking about is that if you look at probably the premier leadership course, in my opinion, and I think, Paul, you wouldn't disagree with this, it's Ranger School. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And, you know, uh, that's the way it was sold to me is that this was a combat leadership school, our premier direct action uh, unit in the Army, uh, aside from Delta Force, of course is rangers and you can't be a leader in ranger battalion if you don't go to ranger school so you know to me when they started allowing females to go uh or they opened up the uh combat arms mos's to females i thought you know everybody was up in an uproar but i was thinking about it you know like how many how many women have we been sending uh to combat and leadership roles so i guess my question is like what what are the other what is the other lead combat leadership school in the army is there another one because I remember Warrior Leaders Course and ALC and BNOC and, you know, all those. But those are not, that's how to write a counseling statement. And that's how to, you know, keep your house right when you're an NCO. So I guess the question to me is, you know, if you had a, had a daughter or a wife, you know, and you were sending her overseas, you know, to be a leader as a lieutenant or as an NCO or something like that she's not allowed to go to ranger school. So like you're, you're willing to send these people there untrained. Um, so I think it, it goes beyond gender and it, it comes to a matter of force readiness for me. So yeah, that's kind of my take on it. All right, and Jenny kind of mentioned a little bit about your background and stuff in the very beginning, just as a mm-hmm. highlight of your bio, but maybe it'll be good for you to talk about your military career. Cause I think at the point at which you went to ranger school, you had spent about two years in the army at that point. Yeah, that's correct. So um, when I came to the army, I started July of 2016 and then I just started. So when I was at like my officer school, they asked, Hey, does anybody want to try out for ranger school? And, like I knew what ranger school was. Um, I was following previous, the two or two women that went through and then eventually the third at that time, then there was like a, almost a year that went by where another woman hadn't gone through the course. And so then, uh, there's a captain, you know, he, you know, really great in training and stuff. And then, yeah, so then I just started training for ranger school. Well, you started training in ROTC as well, right? Didn't you do some stuff in uh, different types of um, courses or something along that line? Yeah, yeah so that's correct. So, um, yeah, it was, like, always kind of, like, the athleticism and, like, you know, doing all that stuff um, always appealed to me. And so, like, in ROTC, I was pretty successful. Um, I mean, that doing, like, ranger, like, it, was, it wasn't as intense as ranger, not even close. 
is intense um, at Ranger School. But um, I was pretty successful in all of that. And so then um, it was kind of then like, let's just actually try Ranger School then. You know, what's yeah. the worst? It doesn't work out. Okay. You know. It's interesting, though, I mean, because as you start going through um, the, you know, the, your military career, or even after you get out, because all of us, except for you, Jenny, are off active duty now. And so you start getting a different perspective as you get a little bit older and you step away from it. And um, I mean, I think there's going to be guys who will probably say something, uh, Paul, you know, about the fact that, oh, wait, man, you know, Ranger Battalion, that's where the real Rangers are, because those are the only guys that can really claim that title, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. But uh, I think it, I don't know, I don't know if women belong in regiment, but I don't know who belongs in regiment either. I didn't recruit for them. That was never, that was always above my pay grade. So, you know, that opinion is not worth much. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, like I said, well, as far as leadership opportunities and uh, and military educational opportunities, like th- those obviously can't have a gender bias, you know. And uh, I'm surprised that it took us so long to get women into a combat leadership course, um, you know, when we're actively engaged in war for so long. You know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it didn't go the other way, to be completely honest. And, and Rob, I, hey, and Paul, I, I agree with that. Is, is there, that's two different distinct things. Is you know, back to your point, even. The, getting into the regiment, you know, that's a whole separate select list at different, you know, if you're an E4 or below and you're coming, just coming to the army, there's a six or seven week program that then they select that people. If you're, you know, an officer that's a first Lieutenant or so, I mean, you have a selection rate. So, I mean, there's, that's completely different than being uh, offered the opportunity to go to a combat leadership course, you know, yeah. I, and I, I agree with you on that. That's, yeah, it is. It's completely different. I, I like to make the analogy, you know, uh, if you can change oil on your car or you, you can keep it running and going down the road, like, you know, you're, you're pretty good, but you're not a mechanic every day, you know, so you can't really call yourself a mechanic. Just like, you know, if you ride a horse on vacation, you can't really call yourself a cowboy, you know, or just because you have a license to do something just doesn't mean you do it every day. I, I don't know. That's the way I look at it. I think at the point of which you came in, Jenny, at mm-hmm. to ranger school at least in april at that time frame wasn't there around 95 or something like that females that actually tried out or tried to go through ranger school yeah so right now it wasn't 95 so right now um, we're at about 87 so 87 attempts and then they just had a 20th female graduate a couple days ago actually you know and paul we've talked about this because you know there are different classifications you know you think about we just mentioned ropes and rip and everything else it could only i don't know what is it called now is it still called that no it's it's called rasp now it's a ranger assessment selection okay so you think about rasp and you know that's again meant like don said to weed out the individuals that are coming into regiments so it's not just you go and get ranger school that you're automatically going to get assigned a regiment you know it's going to have to there's a process you have to be selected and um you know for those who would claim and which i want to get into the ranger school they lower the standards and everything else i don't think regiment is going to be doing that and you could tell me if you disagree with that but i don't believe regiment's going to be lowering any standards in order to let women get into the regiment no i would highly doubt that you yeah know? and and regardless even if you lowered your standards to get in um that doesn't mean you're going to stay there you know that's the easy part once you're there you got to reselect every day basically so right you know it, I, I don't know uh. 
Well, and I want to go back to that because I want to go to the first, though, to the Rangers school. So let's start off with talking about um, females being allowed to go into combat arms. And then, of course, they started going into Rangers school. There was a lot of discussion, Jenny, of course, before you came in of the first females that went through, that the standards were lowered, that the commanding officer at Fort Benning was actually kind of putting out an edict that uh, we need to get these women through this course. Uh, there was a lot of political nature going on with people from Washington and stuff trying to get engaged, uh, you know, but then what I've also heard on the other side of this is, no, that's not true. That kind of edict didn't come down. He was actually going out there to observe the training. There wasn't anybody putting a different pressure. And I know, um, Don, you knew some of the guys I thought that were still over there as RIs. And the rumor coming out of there was that these RIs were stating that, yeah, in fact, the standards were changed. Well, again, I think what happens with that is, you know, you got some some ones. I don't, I don't know if it's what you call it, maturity level. Um, I said, obviously, did the school did get a lot more outside attention to it. Um, but that, you know, when I was there in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, whenever you got an outside person coming in, that's you kind of got your laundry exposed and it made people uncomfortable of how they how they lived. Um, you know, again, if you talk to someone and that was truly there, will tell you that the standards weren't changed. Uh, if you get a second or third hand about something, they'll hear a story and, you know, and then they'll expand on it. And it'll, it'll grow. Um, so, I mean, like I said, the ones that were there uh, would say that other than the additional visibility on the course, there wasn't much uh, that changed to it. Paul, did you hear anything different? I, I heard both, both accounts. Um, the, the, mo- the person I would say who is the most reputable said that the standards that were, were not changed. Uh, and he said that, you know, he, that was a guy that was working at the school at the time. Um, and I, I'm inclined to believe him. And I, honestly, I, I think the reason that happens, like, I don't know. I don't know what happens out there in the woods. All right. Like my ranger school class, I barely remember it because I was half starved to death. But, um, you know, you go out there, you go in the woods maybe you perceive a standard that isn't actually a standard. It's just a, a tradition or, or the way it's been. So it's hard, it's hard to say, you know, I, I wouldn't make a, a case that it, their uh, standards are relaxed. Yeah. Cause one of the, one of the things we're up, go ahead. We were, we were going to talk about, no, I thought you might get on the rucksack thing that we were yeah, talking that's, about. That's yeah. what I was going to, I was going to mention that. So they bring up the thing like, Oh, well they didn't have to carry their weight. Well, I know even as a student and even as an instructor, you know, you go through there and some days guys' knees are banged up or their shoulder hurts. And so they're your ranger buddy. So instead of, you know, hey, take it easy for this day and you carry a little bit of extra weight for them to keep them going. I mean, that's kind of, you know, kind of goes back to the ranger creed, you know, um, just because somebody one day, one day may have had a, a twisted ankle and could do nothing but walk there doesn't mean that standard changed. Uh, that's kind of, you know. You know, that's the reason people get peer too. They have a peer process of that. You know, how what kind of team player are you? Yeah, because I mean, you carried people's rucksack yourself as an RI. There was many times where you'd pick take the load. You'd had some, you know, outstanding um, guy that was there going through the course. That you know, like you said, he's just kind of having a rough period that moment. And so, hey, let me take your ruck for a little while. I'll carry it for you. And nobody thought anything of that. But now, all of a sudden, yeah. it happens to be a female that gets their ruck carried. And, oh, no, you know, that means, obviously, she had it easier. Yeah, we had a guy that was that was 
that was phenomenal shape that could, you know, do stuff. The problem was the guy could just not stay awake. Every time we halted, he fell asleep. So it got to the point of, you know, his case was, hey, I'll carry the machine gun and the AG gear just so when we stop, I could nap. Okay, well, you know what? That works out for the squad. It worked out. And doesn't he didn't get over in Ranger School because he got to take a nap. That guy carried all the weight. So it's kind of what, what works for that team. And, you know, obviously, here's how I look at out of Ranger School, and Paul can probably vouch for this. The Ranger School itself is, it's really how you got peered is where to tell you what kind of what kind of soldier you are there. And the fact that, you know, the females that were going through there, you know, didn't get peered, that, that says something about them. That says that they were, they were sharing more than their share of the load. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that is, it is a peer rated school, you know, and you're not going to be successful without your peers. And that's, you know, what you said is exactly what I was talking about, Don, the standard that you think is a standard, but it's, it's just a a custom or tradition or or an idea that you had in your head. And nobody said you had to carry every ounce of gear that you carry. You were, you know, assigned throughout the entire course. It's not part of the, it's not part of the standard. It's not written into the, the POI. So, How does yeah. that how does that make you feel, Jenny, when you hear those types of things, especially since you know, having gone through the course? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say I mean I can definitely attest to the political, um, how you know, you can see with the political nature when you see, you know, these high brass coming down on the course. However, though, I mean, I can speak very highly of Captain Grace and Captain Haver where they went through rap week three times. <laughs> I mean it's yeah. You know, that kind of says something about their character. They go through, you know, Darby phase three times and then you get dropped and have to go through the whole thing again and they never quit, you know. And so, um, and yeah, no, I completely agree, though, about the peer process. Like, I mean, it's, you know, which people don't share their weight. Even those that uh, that would hear that story would say, yeah, but they were actually helped. Where, Don, you know as well as I do that there are actually RIs that are assigned to help those that are going through the recycle um, to help them, you know, get back into the, the fold and stuff. So, you know, there, there may be some additional training that's provided or something of that nature. And, of course, you've also mentioned about how these women had to go back through these multiple phases. And God bless them if they're willing to stay you know, longer than the the course already, and spend like nine months going through this whole thing. Oh yeah, that to me, yeah. Because if you can go through, and I and, and it was mentioned earlier, you know, they got day one recycles after getting, you know, I believe it was through the mountains, or maybe it might have been Florida, and with and they stayed, and there was a couple of you know IOBC graduates that decided, you know, hey, I'm going home, and I'll come back later. So. You know, the fact that you could, after being there in that environment and say, sure, I'll stay and and go through this whole thing one more time, that says a lot about the individual. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I, if you recycled me in Darby phase, I was going to quit and go to the second. (laughs) I was not going to do that again. Like, there's just no way this is too, this is too much for me. Um, Not, not because I couldn't do it. It was just, they were very exacting in their standards, I should say. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, there's there's no way I would have uh, I would have recycled that many times. Yeah. So I, I think that is, yeah, it says something. You know, I, I wonder though, um, you know, how important that is. You know, I think people are overlooking some things. Like I think everybody ha- might have had their, or most people might have had their favorite RI. You know, 
and maybe he knows she grazing and he didn't he didn't do anything or the catcher with the dip in didn't do anything something like that you know what i mean like there's you're out in the woods man the importance isn't every single rule the importance is success so i don't know you know you're that that's absolutely right and like i said i saw many things as an instructor um that some would never let get five meaning they everything was a major minus or it was a you know request for a, a sor for a drop where some handled it on the spot and took care of it in a little side smoke session and you know that seemed to work too exactly so and then back to the point what rob would you know after each phase you know if a person is up for recycle or up for a drop i mean there's a whole board phase that goes through that thing it's not something that just the RI says, "Hey, you're you're a recycle." You know, they turn their paperwork in, and it goes to a board that the battalion commander sits on, and they read each and every single packet of that, and and they make that determination off of how well the the report was written. To you know, did they you know what's their status? How many major minuses do they have, or how many major pluses? That what kind of team player they've been? That that determines if they're a drop if they're a day one recycle or if they're a Darby insert that all those things weigh into fact, there's not a, well, I passed everything in rap week. So if I failed patrols in Darby, I'll just be a reassert in Darby. That doesn't necessarily, that doesn't, that's usually how things happen, but it's all based on the individual. So Jenny, I don't know if, uh, you know, when, when you hear a lot of the, the folks, I know that the U S army lately had a uh, post on Instagram where they, um, outlined the, the first, uh, uh, mm-hmm. what was the first officer, female officer, uh, in Vincenza and, you know, in the unit there and, and the fact that she was Ranger or she had the tab on or something in the photo, man, mm-hmm. that sent up a lightning rod worth yeah. of keyboard operators that, uh, really <laughs> took over. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. First Lieutenant Anna Hodge. Yeah. She's a good friend of mine. Um, you know, you, most of us women who go through, we already know what's going to happen. I mean, you could be the greatest thing since sliced bread, but no matter what, somebody somewhere is always going to say something. And so those are like things that we talk about. Um, that's why we're very careful in what we say on social media um, because of the repercussions that come with it. Because we know as women, you know, there's a lot of people who don't agree. Um, you know, there's a lot of support out there, but as you saw from that post, there's also a lot of people who didn't agree, um, but uh, Lieutenant Hodge spent nine months at Ranger School. She <laughs> she spent nine months at Ranger School. You know, I went through with her in October, and she didn't graduate till June, was it? I think it was June or July, and she got dropped after Darby phase, went back, came back again, went through Darby three times, and then ended up going straight through. So, I mean... I personally don't think the standards were changed for her. Um, I think she just has a lot of guts um, to not give up, you know. And like yeah. I said, a, lo- a lot of people are going to say things. Um, I mean, it, immediately when I graduated Ranger School, there is so you know, um, there's a lot of comments that were made that the, you know, there was somebody that said, you know, did she even have to do 49 push-ups? I'm like, no, I, I apparently not. You know, I guess you know there's a female standard at Ranger School. I don't know. But um, I don't know that one, but I guess apparently to a lot of people who don't have a Ranger tab, um, that's just how it is, though, you know, and um, it, it, that's just how, how it is. You know, we don't we know it's going to happen. 
so you just kind of just take it like a grain of salt and move on. So you can I can't, really do. I can't imagine how difficult it must be on you guys too, though. Like you're saying, you're trying to keep a low profile. You're you're trying to make it to where it's not about you guys. And just for the record, I mean, I sought out Jenny. It wasn't the other way around for this whole podcast. So uh, this episode on this topic, because we think it's really important. Paul and I have had this conversation and Don and I on separate occasions about, you know, women going through ranger school. And we're seeing a lot of this, the conversations that are out there and, and that many of you are not trying to make it uh, about yourselves. You're trying to keep a low profile. It's more of trying to make a statement about here are things that uh, a, a first female, uh, you know, commanding officer in unit X. That's what that that Instagram, you know, profile or that page or that uh, post was about. But everybody then decided to hone in on who the individual was, what they heard and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the year, there was the first, I think, enlisted female that just graduated as well from ranger school. You yeah. Know? And, and I'm sure she didn't want anybody to know that she was going to be the first, you know? Mm-mm. Yeah, no, she was, she kept a pretty low profile and she deleted her Facebook and stuff because she, she knew it was going to happen. Um, you know, we all, we all know who each other are, you know, it's not like it's secret when somebody graduates, we all kind of keep, keep in contact, but um, you know, like I said, for women who go through ranger school, our mentalities are just very different compared to a lot of like other women in the army, because, you know, we, we know what we're getting getting ourselves into. If you look at the ratio of your graduating class, you know, you have like between a hundred and 200, you know, male counterparts and there's maybe, maybe two, maybe two other women with you. And so you just have to be very self-aware of the environment that you're in. Um, yeah. you know, and it's really just what it comes down to that most women don't go to ranger school for themselves. Like I didn't go to ranger school, you know, for myself, for filming, it was to lead, you know, it's like, you know, as Paul was saying, it is a combat leadership course to be, you know, an exceptional leader in the army. And, you know, that's, that's why we go to rangers, you know, women go to ranger school. I can't, you know, I can say none of us have ever said we went for ourselves. Absolutely not. Um, cause we know, that's not, that's not what we went, especially how, how long we had to train, um, you know, because my body, you know, I'm 125 pounds. Paul, looking at him, it's probably like, you know, 180 and this, you know, he was in Ranger Regiment, you know. So we have different body types, you know. And so um, just all of that factors into, um, you know, why we go to Ranger School and stuff, you know, the challenge of, you know, why we go. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's an excellent point. And, um, you know, when you think about those that might be heading on into regiment, you know, you think about the physical aspect of it and the wear and tear on the body. I don't think anybody really knows for certain the longevity of women in that type of arena because there hasn't been a whole lot of those. Now, there are females that are in special operations units. Um, some of which are not really, you know, talked about and such, but the long wear and tear of the human body in these types of situations, um, has probably not been really documented well enough to know whether or not females can last in that type of environment. Because there is, I mean, it takes a wear and tear even on the male body and, and the types of equipment and everything else and terrains that you end up having to go through. So to your point, it's not that every woman going into the military and every woman going into infantry, every uh, person is wanting to go become a ranger. Just like this, it's the same ratio as it is for men. There's not very many men that want to go that same route. Mm-hmm. And yet the same small percentages are going to be those that actually end up going into regiment as well and carrying on a ranger. But I, I think it's important too that 
maybe we need to talk a little bit about what is a ranger because there's a whole lot of conversation about who can call themselves a ranger then after you go through ranger school oh okay well you know you went to ranger school but don't ever call yourself a ranger because you're not wearing the tan beret and part of regiment yet i believe there's there actually a hall of fame uh for rangers that doesn't discriminate by individuals that only spent time uh, for those that are only in regiment, they actually make it open to anybody uh, that carried the Ranger standard and uh, went out there and, and uh, became, you know, the best Ranger that you can be in your military career. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I don't say I'm a Ranger. I do not. I Ranger. I've gone to Ranger school. But I definitely don't say, because it's just such a different, because I'm a chemical officer, okay? I'm a chemical officer. I don't spend time in Ranger Regiment, whereas, you know, these men and women literally live and breathe what they do. It's just like going to, you know, selection, you know, if it was different where, yeah, you go through the Q course, but then, hey, I'm Q course qualified, but I'm not in, you know, I'm not a Green Beret or something like that, you know, but you have to be hand selected to be in that type of organization. It is the best of the best in the military, you know, and like, yeah, Ranger School, less than 1% of the military, you know, men and women have a Ranger tab. However, you know, if you want, I think, to continue to excel with that, uh, with that tab, you just go to the next level, which is Ranger, you know, Ranger Regiment, Um yeah, it's, I mean, that's my opinion on it. I'm sure Paul probably feels the same way. <laughs> yeah, no, we have very, very, very similar feelings on that, you know. It's uh, it's a 60-day it's a course, you know. It's sort of like getting your degree. Like, you have your degree, but you work in a different field. You know, you're obviously qualified to do one thing, but that doesn't make you that thing, so. So are there different degrees then? Because what about the guys who spent all the way up to E4 that never went to ranger school? But they were in Ooh. regiment. Ooh. That's a good question. When, well, when, were they, when were they in regiment? No. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> were they there when it was hard? Because if they were there when it was hard. Well, what would you call hard? When they wore the black beret or they got the tan beret? So. I don't know, man. Don't you know, know. I, I think this is one of those uh, conversations uh, that a lot of people don't want to talk about because of the fact that there may not be a straight answer that's going to be in a textbook. I mean, it starts with, you know, the fact, like you mentioned, that you, could, uh, you could call it an individual that went to ranger school and lives this ranger standard. If you don't put it out there and you don't try to use the fact that you have a tab and call yourself a ranger, the fact that you still went through the school signifies something. I mean, like you, we're all talking about here, it's that... It's that way, like you mentioned, Don, that somebody's looking on that left sleeve to see the schools that you've gone through. Okay, you, you know, you've gone through Ranger School. You may have gone through SFAS and Q and been through Special Forces. Um, you've achieved certain things. You know, you may have been, uh, you know, you got your jump wings. You've got a CIB, whatever the case may be. There's that whole thing that everybody focuses in on uh, to measure the individual. And certainly Ranger School has always been one of those. But then I also look at those guys that never make it to Ranger School and spend their time in the military in a Ranger regiment as an infantryman, uh, but in any role uh, for that matter in regiment, but certainly, you know, as an infantryman and, and spent six month deployments uh, or less over in combat, multiple deployments in that same period to say that that individual is not a Ranger would not be fair either. 
because they live the Ranger standard and the Ranger creed every day. Yeah. And again, that comes down to, you know, the individual, again, you have Ranger qualified. It's like you're airborne qualified or you're pathfinder qualified. If you, you can have the badge, if you're not doing the job, you know, again, you got to have a refresher when you go back through there. Um, and those things have kind of been, you know, it was a tab wear and a tab bear, you know, and then we, I had a platoon sergeant that was like, Hey, you know, here's the three criteria to be a, to be a ranger. You know, this is his opinion, but he was like, you got to go to the school. You got to get to, you have to get your ranger tab. Then you need, you probably, you need to be in regiment. You know, th- those are two things. You, you have a tab wear and a tab bear. Those are the guys, you know, they do it day in and day out. That's not to say that the guy that came from the 82nd or the 25th, you know, doesn't go to the course and then comes back and, and you know, doesn't day in and day out do his job. But at the, in his particular time that he's serving, you know, he is in the 25th ID or he is in the 82nd Airborne, you know, and he's Airborne Ranger qualified. You know, but again, it goes back to what you do every single day and, you know, the people that you're around. That also takes us back, though, to the very beginning in this conversation about how it's meant to be that type of course that you can go back and to bring that knowledge of that course back into your individual units and add not only as a leader, but um, sharing some of the knowledge that came out of that course uh, with your individual um unit uh your platoon whatever the case may be that you're commanding at that time frame just like people in a regiment the whole idea is that you don't spend 15 20 years in a regiment that you actually are supposed to go back to the conventional army and spend some time there and and we both know paul some guys who haven't done that but they're uh, that's supposed to be the pipeline i mean the pipeline is supposed to be taking individuals from the conventional army, sending them into Ranger Regiment, taking guys from Ranger Regiment, sending them back to the conventional army. And that, that breeds that kind of understanding of what being a Ranger is all about. Yeah. That's all from uh, Abrams charter. You know, You're, we're not supposed to hoard knowledge and then just have the best fighting team in the world. You know, it's not, not like we have a fighting super bowl that we're all going to, you know? So, you know, it's just spreading the knowledge and sharing the wealth. Like that's, that's crucial to, to the whole system. You know, the whole ranger system. And I, I don't know what kind of leader you would be or, or what kind of – I mean, you can't be a ranger and not be a leader, right? So you go yeah. lead people, share your knowledge, mentor someone that didn't have the same opportunity as you, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean – you know, I used to, I'd be the first to, to admit that I used to have an opinion when you see the guys that came from West Point that happens to have a Ranger tab, you'd automatically make an assumption of, okay, they just were kind of going through to punch their ticket. But to to hear you guys talk more about it, I mean, it, it wasn't just that. You can't just go and punch a ticket. It's not like every officer going through the course is going to get an automatic go. Right. I think you probably have a select few that kind of just make it through you know, who don't, like as Don was saying, you have the wearers and you have the bearers. And I would say there's probably, you know, a couple that make it through um, that kind of just, you know, kind of just wear the tab because they're an infantry, you know, officer, an infantry, you know, um, soldier. And that's part of their job, you know, that's going to help them be successful in their career. But they don't necessarily, you know, live and breathe that ranger creed, you know, that you say every single day. And they kind of just, you know, check the block. Um, to continue their their career 
So what do you say to those women who are coming in? And you're going to have a lot now because that's what recruiters are going to be going after, especially that women can go into infantry. It's an MOS. It's going to be on the hot list for recruiters. Uh, you know, when you go down to the guidance counselor, you know, going into combat arms was always one of those sure things. So if you can convince an individual before they went down to MEPS that, you know, to go, think about going into combat arms and you pretty much knew that you were going to get a go and you were going to get a, a body going down range. And so if that's the case, and now we're looking at females being able to do the same thing, uh, what do you say kind of to those females who are going into one combat arms or even those that are not going into combat arms that may be thinking about going to ranger school? Uh, I would definitely, I mean, right now I know it's all kind of in the works as far as integrating young you know, enlisted soldiers into more like cab units, more infantry units in the 82nd. Um, but one of the, you know, one of the stopping points or the barriers is that there aren't enough infantry women. I mean, most all, you know, all but 19, all but one. So 19 officers have gone through ranger school and then one enlisted female. And so right now that's kind of where the difficulty is, is integrating women with women leadership. Um, because there's only so many of us, you know, I'm not even an infantry officer. Um, and so I, you know, I would say absolutely do it. However, um, you know, I think at the recruiter standpoint, I think you need to be extremely honest, um, in what women young, especially 18, 19, 20 year old women are getting themselves into, you know, if they think, you know, you're going to have this perception, yeah, I'm going to be going in and go kicking doors, X, Y, Z, whatever. However, you know, yeah, that's all cool. But, you know, on the emotional aspects of things, you know, hey, you know, you might be super tough, you know, young woman. Um, but it's kind of like how Paul was saying, hey, maybe women don't belong in regiment. You know, hey, it's been this all boys club for, you know, so many years, you know, because that's really what it's been. You know, it's always just been a gentleman's course. You know, that's where they all go. And then suddenly you have this this change and people don't know how to react. It's kind of like when the first woman went through um, people didn't know how to react. Like they just didn't know what to do. And so I, I think the army is doing a better job, um, as far as integrating, you know, young women, you know, into, you know, um, you know, going to basic training in AAT. However, you know, you saw that story about, you know, those drill sergeants that were, you know, having sexual intercourse with these young, um, like I said, I just think recruiters need to be very, very honest with their interactions if they're going to go ahead and sell the infantry and or combat MOSs um, to young women. Actually, it was also what the first female Marine officer, infantry Marine officer, uh, mm -hmm. found up having um, the same thing. Yep. They, yep fraternized uh, with a uh, enlisted soldier that got her on fraternization. Of course, you got to stay more on your P's and Q's as well, like you're saying. I mean, you guys are kind of banded together because you almost have to in silence and, and keep doing. It wasn't like you went out there to get the fame. Uh, you went out there more to to get the leadership experience, go through the best courses to be able to provide you that. And hats off to you guys for being able to do that because there's not a whole lot of people at first off that have the, that kind of makeup to go into that not just as a, a male, but certainly as a female to want to take that type of thing on. And we usually have cadre of hosts on here that are females as well. One of which we all know is Kat, uh, who went as a CST and served with the Rangers over in Afghanistan. And uh, unfortunately she wasn't able to make it today, but she would have been the first one saying, you know, her hats are off to you and what you've accomplished. But at the same token, there's just not a lot of females out there. So people just need to kind of, 
you know, um, damper it down a little bit because there's not a whole lot of people busting down doors wanting to go do it in the first place. And of that, look how many people have actually gone through it and it automatically shows you only 10% or so of those have actually achieved it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that was one of the, uh, one of the things that um, we always get all this um, update on how everything's going, you know, with, you know, young women, infantry officers and or um, enlisted. And that was one of the things was the washout rate um, down at Fort Benning when they did like their first pilot program the washout rate was over 50% of the um, young junior enlisted women that went through only there was not a lot of women who you know who could do it you know but I think that's good though that they washed them out because that shows that you're not changing the standard you're still upholding the standard um, and you're not just trying to you know, make the people at the top happy, you know, and I, I think that w- that's great, honestly. Yeah, that's not, you don't want the sto- uh, standard lowered. I mean, you guys, I would think, and you, you right. tell me, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last thing you want to do is to be able to say, yeah, it's a ranger tab, but it's not really a ranger tab, you know, because um, I was a girl. Yeah, you're right. I, I didn't, you know, like you said, you kind of facetiously, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about doing the, the pushups. I didn't go through any of the, the phases <laughs> or anything, really. They just gave it to me at the end of it because I was a girl. Uh, right. Yeah. Um Definitely. I mean, I spent six months at ranger school. I recycled every phase. Um, oh, wow. I, I mean, I could have quit probably after phase one, phase two and phase three. But I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't because it, this correspondent courses were pretty tough, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 the correspondent. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Uh, no, but I think too, though, that there are a lot of people out there that just get a misunderstanding of what we're talking about here. The takeaway from this, uh, this episode is that it should mean something It has always meant something before this. And, uh, I, I think it still does. And I think if I looked at that Ranger tab, Jenny, on you, as I already do in a lot of your, you know, social media, we follow you on social media and such. But I look at that as um, it was kind of a rite of passage. It was a leadership course. It was one, in my opinion, one of the hardest leadership courses that anybody can go through. And the fact that you went through it uh, successfully and knowing that you did three recycles, you know, wow, kudos to you uh, for having gone through that and successfully made it. Um, No, thank you. Um, Yeah, I know. But that's exactly what it is, is um, like I said, it's we're all pretty self-aware, like, who we are you know like when I get up and put my uniform on every day I I know what I'm doing you know it's just it's not something you have to brag about it's it's just one of those things where I would say probably most people who have a ranger tab are humble um not everybody but a lot of people that I know are pretty humble you just kind of just you kind of just wear it you know and it's just like you know who you are um because like I said 99% of the army doesn't have a ranger tab you know and you know, people who are like in these special units, you know, Ranger Regiment, it's the same thing, you know, they walk around with that scroll on and they're pretty self-aware who they are, you know, it's the same concept. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, that's a good point because I think if a guy, if you happen to see a guy that uh, especially has the combat, you know, regiment, whether it's second, first, third battalion uh, and, and never, you know, was a, a Ranger or anything like that, because I've known some guys that's been attached to them, uh, they went through some of the same, you know, crazy stuff over there in a combat setting uh, because they were serving right along their their brothers in uh, the regiment. 
And uh, I, I give respect to those guys as well. And that's why I kind of joked earlier, Paul, about those E4s, you know, E1 through E4s that, you know, but I mean, the truth of the matter is, if you're wearing anything that's Ranger on it, you you did something to achieve that. And that's one of the main takeaways here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, you know, we, this is where the, the argument kind of gets muddled or, or where a lot of the conflict arrives, I think, you know, like you've got a situation where, uh, you know, say, oh, well, they, they have all these negative effects if you put women in a certain unit or you give them a certain skill badge or, or whatever it may be. But you know, at the end of the day, we didn't we didn't join the military so we could pump our own chests up. We, we joined to serve. You know, we joined something greater than ourselves. And, and the bottom line is, you know, if I saw you walking down the hall, even when I was ready to retire and I'd completed my career, I'd still have to salute you because you're an officer. You know what I mean? You're a leader and I, I expect you to be trained and, you know, if, if we don't have a way for our women to be, uh, who are in leadership roles to be trained uh, before they go to combat, then that needs to be addressed. And if we have a, a culture in the military that can't handle, you know, gender integration, then we've got a, you know, a recruiting issue that needs to be addressed. But I think that the problem is and a cultural is, change. Yeah, and, and a cultural change. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think that stems from recruiting. That's another conversation. But yeah, you know, and I and I think that's what you need to look at. You know, if we've been a at war for almost two decades and we're sending, you know, young lieutenants, female or male overseas without the right combat training, you know, and ranger school is not an option for them, then what is the option? How are we preparing these people who are, you know, our youngest, our best, our brightest to go over there and get the job done and come back, uh, with maximum survivability. So, yeah, you know, th those are the real issues, not how somebody feels about something they can pin on the, pin on their shoulder. Well, and let's face it, I mean, the, the over time, the leadership course of Ranger School has been modified just based on the combat experiences. I mean, guys who went in, Don, back in, you know, the 80s and stuff, experienced something very different than the Ranger School of today. And that's what it's designed to do. So it's a very valid point, Paul. I think what's really uh, crazy about this uh, episode is that we don't have any controversy. We should have probably brought on a couple of <laughs> people, Paul, so that we could actually had a different uh, difference of opinion. Uh, you know, I quickly learned that like, if you're on one side of the argument of this argument in particular, you're, you're just wrong. And once you start like saying things out loud, you're like, Oh wait, unless you're a complete, a complete asshole. You're like, wait a minute. I, this doesn't make any sense. Like how old are you, Jenny? I'm 24. You're 24. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like it's, it's not that hard, you know, to imagine someone that's your, your child or, you know, like that belongs to you, you know, and you're going to send them out there. You know, and so you send your son, you send your daughter to the, the military and, you know, they, they both go combat arms. One gets to go to ranger school before they deploy and the other one gets what? WLC? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the bullets don't know that you're a, you're a woman. You know what I mean? The terrorists, they probably would pick you out. So, you know, and as a leader, you, you especially a young female leader in the military, you have even more challenges because you have a, a bunch of meatheads like me. You know, in their early 20s, they think that a woman can't tell them what to do. So uh, it, once I once I like framed my perspective that way, because I was not I was not for women in combat arms in general. I just lots of reasons. Right. All, mm -hmm. all the same old ones for the most part. But yeah, I was there, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, it wasn't until I actually stepped away from the military that I started changing that perspective. And maybe even in my latter years of my military career. But um, it is almost one of those things that Jenny, you talked about that kind of good old boy network type of thing. There is a bit of that. There is kind of, uh, that testosterone fed organization <laughs> that, uh, you know, we, we don't want it to be broken. Oh no, absolutely. You know, and I, I, I recognize that almost every day, you know, 
just walking, you know, walking, going to work or whatever. Um, but it's, you know, it's just the mentality. It's just the mentality of the individuals, you know, and that's like what it comes down to is um, just a different way of thinking. Because, yeah, you know, like you said, you don't want to break the good old boys club. However, though, you know, if you want to really look at the big picture, as Paul was saying, it doesn't matter. Um, at the end of the day, we're, you're not here for yourself. You are, that's not why you join the United States military. That's not why you go downrange. Um, you know, none of that matters at the end of the day, because if I have to go out and go, you know, put a chest seal on someone and some male, you know, He's not going to be like, oh, you know, you're a woman. Don't put that on me, you know, otherwise, you, you know. And so, you know, like, <laughs> that's just that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and so those are just, you know, things to just keep in mind that it, it, it doesn't matter to me whether you're, you know, what gender, race. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, like, you know, like you said, um, you know, you, you go to ranger school to be, you know, a competent leader, you know, in survivability, you know, making sure, you know, you're a great leader. You can bring your uh, your soldiers back, you know, safe and sound, you know, to their families. You know, at the end of the day, that's what it's like. That's what it's about. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. You know, because not only that is some of these women who have graduated from Ranger School are absolutely just exceptional, exceptional leaders that could probably outperform many males. You know, I mean, Captain Grice and Captain Haver, they're company commanders in the 82nd, um, and they weren't given that opportunity. They you know, just like any company commander position, they had an interview for it and, you know, they didn't get it right away because there were other, you know, infantry captains that were just as stellar as them and they were males, you know. And so it didn't matter with their gender, but now both of them are company commander, you know, jump masters, you know, they're leading, you know, all these young men and women, you know, and one of the best units, you know, the army has to offer. So what do you think about the people that say that you're kind of the trailblazers? Uh, I mean... I wouldn't say necessarily me. I would say it's more the first three women who, um, well, actually not even the first three, the first 19 women who went through, um, who even attempted in April of 2015. I would say they are there for sure because, I mean, there was 19 women and there's 174,000 women across the Department of Defense. You know, there's only 19 of them that even wanted to try. Um, yeah. Said a lot about their character. Um, then, you know, at the end of the day, three of them, ended up making it through and so that was um you know it was just like that moment right there where you just needed those first women to go through and then you're like okay like if they can do it I I don't know them but maybe I can do it too they're pretty tough um they're pretty pretty tough but I mean I would say um when people ask me that question you know hey you know of course um you know, it's to represent the young, you know, the women in the military. I mean, that's that's why uh, one of the reasons why is to you know, represent such a small population um, that, hey, you guys can do anything. You know, you just got to work hard um, and realize the environment that that you're working in is very male dominant and you got to match up to your counterparts. You know, if you want to be successful, um, you know, you have to have the same qualifications that they have. It doesn't you know, it's, you know, EO, you know, equal opportunity within the job. Yeah, it's, but in the military, it's just, it's very different. You know, it's a very different environment. Um, you know, you have to be smart. You know, you have to be um, be able to critically think. And I, like I said, Ranger School definitely is one of those schools that offer offers that. One of the things was, I mean, there was females that are attached to our units well before the 2015 when uh, they were um, given the opportunity to uh, attend Ranger School. And, 
and there was many women that that came to work every day and you know and they were essentially competing with men that were in the unit because they wanted to show that they were equal and it wasn't I'll do less to get to get by um and you got and I would say the ones that went through you know what you did was phenomenal and you opened up you opened up doors because the first couple that went through they didn't get their leadership I would say their leadership didn't come from the graduating the school that school gave them opportunities to go show the leadership abilities that they have, that they get to perform, you know, and lead soldiers every single day. And so I think, you know, Ranger School has opened up the, I guess, the table talks to, okay, so now they, they've done this. You know, people don't like change. Not everybody adjusts to change that well. And, and the fact that, you know, prior to Ranger School, there was still first of females along the way, not just in the military, but so as they go through there, they're just, they're given their opportunities to, to continue to lead. And, you know, it's so far, it's seems to be working out all right. The British uh, military defense uh, actually just came out and stated the same thing for their forces. And for a period of time, you know, they uh, females could not go into combat arms or especially into special operations units. And now they've opened it up over there. And I'm starting to see the same type of comments and everything made by those who are operators, uh, as well as those who, um, you know, were maybe not have served as to why it is that women should be allowed to do these types of things. And again, I think that the point that we're addressing here is that it's not going to be a large number anyway and those that make it aren't going to have lower standards and then yeah sure it may bring up other uh, challenges that have not been always um, dealt or looked at uh, with females being in you know integrated with males in a combat arms type of environment where you know they're the lone person and how is that going to occur but we've certainly had females in uh, combat situations in Afghanistan that are surrounded by males and I can tell you of one of course Kat Kalin who was with uh, along with a bunch of other females with you know rangers in a combat situation and they didn't have any concerns nor were there any issues or anything that came out of that so I, I don't know I just think that sometimes people make a, a big issue out of nothing well think, even book, yeah go ahead Paul I'm sorry go ahead I, I was gonna say I think it's a it's a bit of a chicken and an egg thing you know I, I agree with with everything Don said I just would say that in the reverse order you know we've been uh, putting women in combat for you know decades now uh, that's that's happened you know and it's sort of like we're tra- we're catching up you know on the garrison side of things and the training side of things you know uh, so I, I, I think that you know the women are already out there you know yeah. and it's not just our out they're already out there they're they're in the wild they're doing the job they're going down range and, and, and uh we, we can't send them without the proper tools and right. range school's a tool and paul that was one of the things i was going to bring up earlier with that is you know before you know, back the the older guys that are on here, um, it was it was you know referred to the front lines. Well, you know mm-hmm. what? For for twenty years, there's not a front line anymore. Every yeah. everywhere you walk is the front line, and you know you can relate things back to you know back when I went to Ranger School. The only non-combat arms that could get into there were you know the medics from the regiment or the cooks from the from there. So there were first along yeah. the way. That weren't if you were from another division or another unit, and you weren't uh, in the combat arms, you you couldn't go to you couldn't go to the school. Oh yeah, right. Um, and That's then right. you go and you go back to you know what is it two thousand three when they had the debacle in Iraq down with uh, the 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 unit that just wasn't fit to to lead. Um, 
You know, they weren't in, they yeah. were supposed to be behind. And guess what? They, they ended up in, they're in front or they're, yeah. they're on the enemy lines. You yeah. can even go back uh, so far as to like SFAS. And, you know, back in those days, you had to be an E4, uh, you know, with, I think it was four or six years of military service before you could even go to SFAS. So the point is valid. I mean, now you have people coming in as 18 x-rays, coming in at a ranger, ranger contract, those types of things. And so it, it certainly opens up and changes the narrative. Jenny, I, I don't know if there's any like lasting words that you want to leave, you know, especially um, not just the listeners out there that are wondering about women within ranger and going to ranger school, but even those uh, women who might be considering going to ranger school. Uh, but maybe if there's something that you'd like to leave with them. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I mean, if you have the opportunity, if your units or, you know, your leadership give you an opportunity, I don't, you know, not even ranger school, just any opportunity in general. Um, just take the opportunity, um, you know, do the best you can. And that's like, especially with, uh, you know, if they give you opportunity to go to ranger school, um, just ensure that you you get with the right people that are going to train you um, because it's, you know, as women, we have, you know, like I said, there's just we have to do a lot more work compared to, you know, our male counterparts because our body types, you know, they are we have different body types. That's just how it is. Um, just take the opportunity that's given to you and do the best you can. And then just, you know, lead by example. That's that's really all you can do, you know, and that's it. Just do the best you can and just take the opportunity. Jenny, I appreciate you coming on here, of course, kind of exposing yourself and especially on this type of topic, you know? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. No, hey, I, Rob, mean, I got I got one more thing, actually. Yeah. Hey, Jenny, how do you feel in, before Ranger School versus after Ranger School, like your general confidence uh, of your leadership capabilities? Like, did you did you take a, a lot away from the course or... Oh, no, that's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. So before when I went to before I went to Ranger School, um, I was kind of like an uptight leader. I was just very just like it was I don't know. I just like focused on a lot of like small trivial things that were just it didn't really matter. And then after going to Ranger School um, and even my uh, my platoon sergeant, when I had gotten back, you know, she saw I, I like a drastic change in the way just I led soldiers. It, it just I you just don't worry about so many little things. You just, you're always thinking about like the big picture of things and just small daily things that happen. You're not making a big deal out of them versus like a lot of my peers. Uh, Cause I'm in a sustainment battalion, you know, I'm literally just very low density MOSs and I have a ranger tab now. And so, you know, I'll be sitting in meetings and they're, you know, for instance, they're worried about the font size you know, on the paper and, and then I'm just, and, 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 you know, on the screen and stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll just be sitting back and I'm like, you know, and I'll just shake my head. Like that's, that's not the point. We're at a training meeting to talk about training. It doesn't, you know, you know, you see what the slide says, right. You know, you can read it. It doesn't matter. If, you know, you forgot a period or, you know, the date's wrong, just exit out and change the date. And those, those are way, like, those are just little things that I notice that I, that I'm like, I don't really care about those things anymore. You know, at the end of the day, um, my mentality is very much um, is just how I can train my guys to be the best, like in a combat situation. That is literally how my brain is just like wired now. Um, and like a lot of my peers don't get, they just don't get it because they haven't been to the course where you know Ranger School, you know, it, it teaches you to think about those things. And um, especially now when you know 
some of my peers will work eight hours and I'm working 16 because I'm not tired yet. You know, and it's just one of those things because I'd say ranger school, you literally don't sleep. Um, you, you will go 10 day FTX without sleeping. And then now I'm just like, okay, well, this is, this is easy. You know, it's just, oh, just a 16 hour day. You know, it's pretty easy um, compared to what I went through. And so I think, you know, ranger school definitely, um, it made me like just a way more confident, just um, a leader, you know, and I, I think Don was saying, just the expectations are extremely different now. And, you know, I can, I can see it with my peers, you know, who don't have ranger tabs that um, a lot of things sometimes that happen. It's like, um, yeah, so go do this, Jenny. And they'll give me, you know, give me a task or something, um, you know, the day of. And they'll be like, all right, um, go execute it, you know, because you're a ranger. And it's always because you're a ranger. Hey, hey, I know she's going to do well compared to this guy or this girl because she's a ranger. Um, and so that's literally the expectation that I am held to is that there are, I literally, there's no cutting, I would never cut corners, but like there, I really can't cut corners now, um, because the expectation is just every, there's a standard. Yeah. The standard is just so different now that that's like the first thing that every single day, it's seriously like every day it's like, oh, okay. Cause you're a ranger, you know, you're going to go do this or, Hey, go do this training, you know? And it's, it's just like. You know, I don't know. The school overall, I think it's just it's a really, really great school in the way um, it shaped me. You know, and I'm glad that I went through it as a um, I was a second lieutenant at the time when I went through. So I was very, you know, very junior. You know, I just joined the Army. Um, and so I think going in my early career really helped me out. And, you know, and I think it's going to set me up for success when I'm a company commander um, and, you know, a year or two and then so on for the, uh, the rest of my military career, because it's just you just have a very different way of approaching things now. Um, you know, like I gave you a couple examples of just things that, you know, people worry about that. I'm not necessarily, I don't, I don't really, you know, think about I'm just worried about training soldiers, um, you know, for any, any situations that might come. I like that. Send them all. Send them all. No, no. If it makes, if it makes our commanders less uptight, Send them yeah. <laughs> yeah, no lie. I mean, you yeah. think about that. Yeah, you know, not only that, but uh, you know, on your social media, I've been following, and you, uh, you actually do hold that standard. I've noticed that you take them and get them up quite early. Uh, you're running them a lot, uh, putting through a lot of additional physical training and stuff that you wouldn't normally see your type of unit going through. Uh, so that's really cool. You know, yeah, you're- and so the, yeah, that's definitely. Um, I so like right now, my my platoon is. This is a very, and where, where I work now, um, the platoon I have is just very, they're just soldiers I've never had before. They're water treatment specialists, laundry specialists, very low, 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 low density MOSs. And um, they just, when they found out their PL was a ranger, like a female, you know, ranger qualified individual, um, they were like, oh, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I feel like I'm in for it, you know. Um, but I, I try to explain to them, that that's just that's the expectation I'm held to is that not everybody, you know, thinks the way I do, but um, if I can teach them, you know, how to be physically fit, you know, something as simple as that, then that means we'll get up at, you know, zero five, zero six, whatever, and 
you know, bring them on a 12 mile rock march or something, you know, they'll appreciate it later. You know, they may not now cause they're too young, but you know, they'll probably appreciate that type of experience later on in life. I'm, I'm sure you, you hope so at least. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's just how it is. Isn't it? We always like look at things hindsight, you know, like, Oh, okay. Well, that's probably why, you know, my company commander kept me late, you know, for the past, how many, how many days, you know, and then when I become a company commander and I'm doing that to my platoon leaders, I'm like, okay, well, I get it now. You know, it all kind of make it all kind of makes sense when you're. I think when you go through the situation, um, you know, like I, I, you know, I tell them all the time, you know, just wait till you're like, um, you know, a team leader or like a platoon sergeant. You know, you you're held to a different expectation. You just just don't get it. You know, you just gotta follow follow orders right now at the lowest level. <laughs> so the million dollar question: Are you thinking about changing branches, or is that even cross your mind? Uh, that was definitely. Um, there's a lot of pressure. When I got done with Ranger School, you know, a lot of high-ranking officers that, hey, you should go do this. Hey, you know, you know, you know, it's just like a lot uh, when I first graduated, and then it was just one of those things where I want to do what makes me happy, not what makes me, not what makes you know, high-ranking officers or um, any of those individuals happy, um, because like it looks, it's just it's a very political atmosphere. Um, you know, and it, it really is. But at the end of the day, I, yeah, I, I thought about it, but I, I just, I don't think I'm going to, because I mean, like I said, I'll be up for captain next year. And so I would be behind the curve. If I decided to switch for infantry, I would have to go back, you know, just, I would be so behind my peers at that point where having a ranger tab, it would be, you know, it's great. But at the end of the day, I would have to still fulfill these PL XO positions because I didn't have that um, on the infantry side. And that's, that's, I, you know, I've seen that, you know, firsthand experience with a couple of my buddies who were captains or first lieutenant promotables, and then they switched MOSs and now they're kind of behind the curve um, with all their peers. And so I don't really, I don't really know. I, I think I want to go to law school. <laughs> I think I want to be a lawyer. Um, so I think that's what I'm, yeah. yeah. So I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, so that's why I said, like when, you know, being ranger qualified, being a ranger, I mean, I don't, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like use, yeah. you know, how to use my <laughs> ranger skills, you know, if I'm studying, you know, law. And so, um, yeah, it kind of just goes back to that. <gasps> <laughs> it it does give you it sounds like that mindset and everything that uh, is really going to help you overall in life so again i think it goes back to paul send them all send as yeah. many as you can you want your leaders to be able to do that and if you're an individual in a command leadership role or a senior non-commissioned officer you should want as many of your uh your people to go through that course to try to uh, to become the better leader, especially those guys at the high potential and everything else. I mean, that's who you want to you want to send. Um, but the more that you send, the more people they're going to get exposed to that that level of experience and knowledge and leadership and stuff that you're not going to find in any other course. Uh, and there are there going to be people listening to this show that's going to be from other branches. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I'd say the same thing, those individuals that can go and go through one of the army's best leadership courses, combat leadership courses, whatever you want to call it, go through it, you know, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and it's just like attempting ranger school. I mean, going through the courses, you know, it's definitely life changing, but like, I mean, you know, Paul and, you know, Don, they can attest like the first week of ranger school, you know, just think about that. The first initial week where you literally do not sleep. It's just like an initial, you know, it's just, it's just so, 
just that first four days of ranger school. And then, you know, now you got to go do that for 60 days. But the first four days, you know, you cut half the course right there um, because you just, that's what, that's how you weed them out. You know, the people who want to be there or the people who just can't meet the standard. Oh yeah, there's, that's true. You, you, everybody wants to be there until they get there and get to that first assessment phase. And they realize, ah, maybe that wasn't for me, but you know, the ones that stick around, like I said earlier, even if they don't successfully graduate the course, they leave there with a better understanding of themselves with their limitations and their strengths that they can take back to the unit and, and make the unit better. Yeah, I completely agree with Don. And, and my point is, you know, to the people that are still on the fence about where women belong or don't belong, we're in the business of combat and that's the best combat leadership school there is. And I don't think there's any soldier regardless of any justification that shouldn't be able to get the best combat leadership training uh, that there is. Well said, soldier. That's the <laughs> yeah. key, right? You know, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's all about uh, it's about that. It's not about looking at the gender aspect of it. Jenny, again, thank you uh, for your time and yeah, joining us you. on the show, and really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, really appreciate your insight and uh, being so open and honest. Yeah, there's with no, us. no debate, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.